There's nobody that can stop the Hitman. The Hitman, Bret Hart, has just about done it all. Excellence of execution. Two-time co-owner of the Tag Team Championship. Two-time owner of the Intercontinental Championship. And of course, oh, he gave up. We've seen history be a new World Wrestling Federation champion. I am the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. Two of the most premier great athletes are moments away from locking up here in Montreal. Did you or did you not screw Bret Hart? Look at this! Oh, you're kidding me. Michaels, are you going to try to beat Bret Hart with a sharpshooter? Yes, he is! The referee did not screw Bret Hart. What happened? Shawn Michaels certainly did not screw Bret Hart. Michaels, with a sharpshooter, has become the champion. Nor did Vince McMahon screw Bret Hart. And Bret Hart is standing in disbelief. Wow, you talk about controversy. I truly believe that Bret Hart screwed Bret Hart. And he can look in the mirror and know that. Three names that come into your mind are probably Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, and Mr. McMahon. One of these men, after this event, would go on to win the Royal Rumble, the WWE Championship, and the ECW title. One of these men would go on to have a career renaissance, regaining a World Heavyweight title, as well as having quite possibly one of the best and worst retirement matches of all time. <laughs> and then the last of these men to WCW was pretty much a jobber, had to retire, and then came back, wrestle in jorts, and have a meaningless U.S. title run. So really, Brett did screw Brett. Yeah, Brett uh, definitely <laughs> got the uh, short end of the stick here uh, by not uh, agreeing to drop the WWF Championship to Shawn Michaels in Montreal. But uh, I think if it, wasn't for, you... if, it, if it wasn't for Bill Goldberg, you never know. You never know what would happen <laughs> to, to good old Bret Hart. How, how do you, I guess before we get into it, how do you, how do you feel about the screw job? Do you, do you feel it was done... I, I don't think it could ever have been done correctly with all the parties involved. I think Vince cared too much about his business at the time because this was the, people forget this was at a time when things weren't looking too great. No, no. I mean they they weren't as bad as they once were, but they still weren't great. And then, as much as people want to shit on Hogan, Austin, Triple H for having egos, 
I think Brett and Sean probably had the two biggest egos in wrestling history, especially around this time. I mean, they had the chip on the shoulder because they were the little guys that led the big company, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. I, I, mean, I, I think there's two different ways to look at this. There's the way you feel when you're like you're still you're like a new time fan and you hear about it and you hear, oh, Vince McMahon and Shawn Michaels, Triple H and uh, Briscoe, I forget who else was in on it. Uh, they, uh, they screwed hardworking Bret Hart out of a championship, going behind his back, stabbing him in the back. We train him uh, on dirty Americans, dirty Americans on pay-per-view. Right. And then there's the other side of it where you hear the whole story and then you kind of, you kind of don't feel so bad for Brett after uh, you hear about his demands. Uh, he has reasonable creative control in the last 30 days of his contract so that means uh, he didn't want to drop it to Sean. He doesn't like Sean. Sean made a comment towards him, and he didn't want to do the business, quote-unquote, you know, do the job. And uh, so they had to screw him. Now, there's a, there's a bunch of different perspectives uh, we can go into. Uh, Sean's perspective, um, I, I could... We cannot. I could not find a copy of his book in time to get his exact wording down. Um, but he was he was a real prick during this time. Yeah, and he admits it. He was he was drugged up, uh, bone and sunny, apparently. Uh, <laughs> yeah. From from her book that we just read before we started recording, and uh, and this is the beginning of DX. DX was. Just for me, I don't think they were even called DX at Survivor Series. I don't think. No, I don't believe so. Not they, yet. They threw out the word "degenerates" a lot. Oh yeah. But they never actually used the word "degeneration X." And looking back on it, how annoying they were. And there's a lot of revisionist history when it comes to DX. Uh, but some of the like, if you, some of their antics were actually not funny at all. It, it, it was literally, um, and everyone has this in their high school, it was the group at, you know, in middle school they yelled penis and everyone laughed. And they, they just so they, they, just kept, they just kept doing it. Yeah, yeah, they just kept doing it. And then, I mean, they had China there to back them up. And I feel like the groups in high school always had that one big guy or girl to back them up too. So you couldn't be like, hey, will you, will you shut up? You just kind of sit in your seat and be like, God, I hope they get sent out of the room. That's, I mean, both in kayfabe and out of kayfabe, people kind of wanted these two to just be off the screen. Yeah, I, th- I mean, and I think it was very obvious looking back, uh, retrospect, I think Vince was also ready to move on from these two. Uh, these two were fighting uh, over the belt and who should be like the man to lead wwf but in reality it was neither of them it was gonna be and sh- wouldn't always be stone cold steve austin and yeah, it's very and it- obvious that that's the direction they were going uh so and and it does make i 
it does make booking sense too because i another thing that brett brings up is he'll drop to anybody but sean right yeah but we we needed that final match with brett and sean then they had the match at wrestlemania 12 they didn't have the rematch at 13 right uh because brett or sean lost his smile or whatever yeah uh so we never we never really and at SummerSlam, isn't that isn't that the SummerSlam? Sean hits Taker with the chair. Yep. He gets the belt. So it's already it's already been emotion, right? You can't not have this story building for almost two years at this point and then just not have them Yeah and have this match. I look at it this way, um, a good modern day comparison. Uh, when Kurt Angle retired, right? He's like, I want the match with John Cena. Vince tells him you can have it next year for the past year and so many months. You've been in a feud with Baron Corbin. You need to end it with Corbin before you move on to anything else. And I mean, to Vince's credit, he, he didn't always continue storylines or end them the proper way. No. But if one went long enough, he would wrap it up in a bow. Whether the bow is what the fans wanted or not is a different story, but he always would end long-term stories. And this is another example of him wanting to end it. And, I mean, like you said, we did need it. Because, I mean, I know I joked earlier, but these two led... Um, WWF at the time against this big brash WCW that seemed to be taking over the wrestling world. Yeah. I I think the best place for us to start this whole story is uh, back when the first time Brett was negotiating with WCW uh, and he was attempting to leave but Vince, in an effort to stop the bleeding, to not lose another big star in WCW, offers him a 20-year contract. <laughs> yeah. I, I, most of it was, the first couple of years was a wrestling contract. Um, then I think the next like, decade or so uh, would have been as a trainer, like a producer uh, type role. And then the last five was as an ambassador. Which, uh, having him as a trainer makes sense. And if you go back and look at this time, a lot of the trainers, a lot of the producers, I'm just off the top of my head, Tony Gurria, Pat Patterson, Gerald Briscoe, George Steele, Blackjack Lanza. These were all, I mean, at one time or another, I mean, Gorilla Monsoon, before he passed, was heavily involved still. Uh, at one time or another, these were some of the top wrestlers in the industry. But they were getting older, and I think Vince knew keep himself circled with people like this. I mean, even his dad did it. His dad would have a select group of Golden Age stars to help him run the business. And I, I think with having Brett signed to a producer deal, Vince knew that a mind like Brett, plus you figure this was before you know the Owen incident, this was before the hearts kind of broke from the inside. So you got to figure Brett could 
you know, if, or if Vince wanted, he could go, hey, Brett, could we get your dad's input? Hey, Brett, could we get Owen's input? Hey, Brett, could we get Davey Boy's input? I mean, before they all passed, I don't know of a better brain trust to have in running a wrestling business than Brett, Stu, Owen, Bruce, and Davey Boy, in my opinion. September 25th, I headed to Los Angeles where I've been asked to do a guest spot on The Simpsons. You remember oh, that? I remember that. Yeah. Uh, Barry Bloom knew Eric Bischoff, of course, and he called before I left to tell me that Bischoff was eager for a meeting. Uh, I said we'd talk about whether that was a good idea once I landed in L.A., but when I got to my hotel, Bischoff was already on his way up to my room. He had a small middle-aged guy with shaggy black hair and dimples. We talked for... <laughs> That's how it describes Bischoff. <laughs> <laughs> he was a small middle-aged guy with shaggy black hair and dimples. We talked for nearly an hour about, of all things, our mutual love of Western gunfighters, such as Wyatt Earp, Jesse James, and Butch Cassidy. Uh, we got on so well, I almost forgot about what he had come to come to see me. Then he asked, so, what's going to take to bring you to WCW? <laughs> Brett... I would want the exact same contract as Hulk Hogan plus one penny. This doesn't... So there's going to be a lot of me trying to hold back because I I know what Brett's done for the business. I know how good of a wrestler he is. But for... He's not and never was Hogan. Like, there's a reason that when people do Mount Rushmore's now, it's Hogan, Austin, Cena, Rock. Or Hogan, Michaels, Austin, Cena. Or Tither Taker in there. But you never hear Bret Hart's name. So the fact that Bret Hart wanted what Hogan had a penny more, I don't know, I, I just think that this just shows the type of guy that he is. Just from the get-go. Uh, Eric was flabbergasted. I can't do anything like that. Not right now. Exactly. That's fine. I'm not really looking to go anywhere. I'm happy where I'm at. Come on. At least give me something I can go back to my people with. Anything. Uh, Brett thought thought about it for a minute. I think about coming to work for you guys for $3 million a year and a lighter schedule. He said he'd take that home to the Turner folks in Atlanta. And we went right back to talking about gunfighters. Uh, he then goes on and talks about his episode on The Simpsons. Uh, but then on September 27th, Bischoff offered him $2.8 million a year for three years if he came over to the WCW. I told him I'd think about it, but now it was me who was flabbergasted. <laughs> as soon as Vince was no, here... I, what was that? I asked for $3 million and he gave me two point eight. Does he not know who I am? Brett, the hitman heart. You know, if I'm going to come over there and get kicked by Bill Goldberg, uh, I need to see. <laughs> you know what? Another thing that's funny to me about this story, do, do you remember what Bret Hart's first gimmick in WWE was supposed to be? And he said he just hated it. No, what was it? He's supposed to be a cowboy. Oh, well, he, but he loved Westerners? <laughs> yeah! So what I'm assuming happened is it's the old story that you always hear from wrestlers. Oh, I talked to Vince and... Vince asked me what I liked, or Vince asked me what I'm into, and Brett probably said, oh, I like westerns. So Vince is like, you can be a cowboy. And then Brett's like, nope, that's stupid. You're stupid. 
again, this could just be because I'm in a just angry at Bret Hart mode. But I feel like the longer we go, the more I just... <laughs> I'm going to want to put him in a sharpshooter. I'm so happy you're in a uh, hate Bret Hart mood because we have a long way to go, buddy. We're only 15 <laughs> minutes in. <laughs> I, I can't wait to see you uh, a little while from now. Uh Soon Vince was hearing rumors that I already signed with the competition. I called him on October 3rd and alleviated his worries, telling him I wouldn't do anything until I had a long talk with him. We left it, we left it that he had called me over the weekend. When he did, he asked me directly what the WCW offer was. $3 million for a lighter schedule, 180 days a year. He cut in. I can't match it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Nope. I kind of obsessed that he already wants some fucking out of here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I told him nope, I wasn't asking. Him, I told him I wasn't asking him to match it, just to make me the best offer he possibly could. We both knew that I didn't want to end up in WCW. I hated the thought of being used as an assassin against him and a company that I devoted my life to. But Vince, I said, I'm positioned to make nine million dollars in just three years. I don't want to leave. I don't want to be stupid. I have to think about my family. What would you do? Saying no to this is like tearing up a lottery ticket. He seemed to understand my predicament, but said, WCW would never know what to do with a Bret Hart. That's a true statement. And, they, they, uh, they didn't know what to do with Bret Hart. No, they almost treated him... And I know this is kind of a bad comparison at first, but it's almost like a sting. Or... Sure, Sting had his main event moments. He Sting was a guy that should have always been in the main event. Like he should never have had to do like U.S. title stuff, TV title stuff, especially in the '90s. And for some reason, he was doing that kind of thing. And Bret Hart was in that boat too, where it's like, "Ooh, we need a main event guy. Let's just throw Bret in there." They did this. Um, they did this with Luger too. They kind of just let him float around, and then it's like, oh, man, we need an opponent for Hogan. Mm, this one. Oh, man, we need an opponent for, you know, Vince Russo. Mm, this one. Oh, man, we need a new member in the NWO. Mm, this one. And I don't know. WCW made some dumb decisions, but the biggest, and I'm sure we'll get to it later, is not striking while the iron was hot with Bret Hart. Oh, no. How long did they wait to bring him in? Like, a couple months? It was a while. Um, they, they waited... It was, he, was a special, it was, he was a special guest referee for... Uh, yeah. Bischoff and... For, uh, what's his this is Larry Zabisco. Then he came down and stopped the screw job from happening in the Hogan Sting match, and it was ridiculous. You should have had him fight that night, but why do that? On October 9th, Vince flew to Calgary to present his offer in person. We settled down for a talk in my dining room. As an opening act to the main topic, I brought up the Paul J. documentary, Wrestling with Shadows. Uh, now this will come back and bite Vince in the ass a little bit. Uh, he said he liked the idea. It had no problem giving Paul access to the to the matches in the backstage area. 
<laughs> then we got down to it. Vince said he had a better deal for me than WCW. He wanted to sign me for 20 years for a total of $10.5 million. The breakdown Wait, was... A, a total point? of? Total. Total of 10.5 over 20 years. It's like half a million a year. Uh, the breakdown was $1.5 million a year for three years as a wrestler, 500000 a year for the next seven years as one of his senior advisors, and then 250000 a year for ten years thereafter to be on standby as that Babe Ruth of the company Vince was always looking for. It was satisfying. Trying to... Did they have a Babe Ruth before this? Like, I know for a while Andre would kind of come in but then, you know, he got old and died. Um, Bruno wasn't on good graces yet. Hogan was in oh, WCW. Yeah. Savage was in WCW by then, right? Uh, yeah, he, yeah. Who, I don't know who else you got. Piper was in WCW. Literally every baby roof they could have had was already in WCW. Oh, my God. So you're telling me that WWE's first, like, actual Babe Ruth was Hogan in, like, 2002? Uh, I, I, Yikes! I guess so. Would have to be unless we're missing somebody. Uh, no, if we're missing them, they weren't important enough to be a Babe Ruth, right? It, oh my God! Poor Vince. He just he just he just wanted a cash cow, and everyone kept dying or leaving. Uh, I'll never give you a reason to ever want to leave. That's what Vince said. <laughs> Well, he'll give you a, a good reason here shortly, my man. Uh, <laughs> WCW was offering almost as much for only three years, but when I got down to it, I couldn't leave Vince or our history together. I accepted the deal, and we shook on it. His eyes glistened, and he gave me that yuck-yuck smile as we agreed that we all had... <laughs> all I had left to do was iron out some uh, minor details. At Listen Rob- here, pal. <laughs> if you sign with me... I have a stack of NDAs that you can give to anyone WWE team. Anyone. You just throw them a little money, you have them sign an NDA, nothing will happen until 2022. That's a guarantee, pal. No, trust me. <laughs> have you met my legal counsel? <laughs> At Raw in Fort Wayne, on October 21st, I announced I was coming back to face... Stone Cold Steve Austin at Survivor Series. Uh, I felt badly by to keep Eric hanging on until my deal with Vince was done. Eric was making every concession he could think of, including offering to have both Flair and Hogan call me to tell me themselves they had no hard feelings about some of the less than complimentary things I said about them in past interviews and had me welcome <laughs> aboard. Uh, even Hall and Nash agreed to waive their favored nations clause, which I guarantee that no one in a similar, similar position could be paid more than they were making, just so what? I could come to WCW. I didn't know that they were going to waive it. I knew all about the clause, I but I had no idea that... Wow. That hurts, big man. Yeah, that pretty much... Uh, Sums it up um, for that. Uh, 
Oh, here's a, here's a um, here's a nice little uh, kind of like the beginnings of the Sean thing. Um, before we move on, but within seconds of signing, I ran to Sean. We spoke briefly as I waited for my cue to go through the, the curtain. He just done a nude spread for Playgirl magazine, which I thought was a dumb move for someone posing as a role model for young boys. I asked him, do you mind if I say something about your Playgirl magazine spread? I want to start building our heat the right way. He said, say whatever you want. I marched out to my music wearing jeans, jeans, shades, and a tight gray t-shirt. And was interviewed by Jim Ross. Uh, the first thing I did in this completely unscripted live interview was thank Eric Bischoff for treating me with respect and making me such a great offer. I regretted that I hadn't had a chance to call him and that Eric was about to find out that I had just resigned with Vince along with the rest of the world. Mind you, I referred to Eric only as an unnamed rival uh, to that point. Neither organization had uttered the name of the other on their TV shows, but the fans knew exactly who and what I was talking about. Dave Meltzer had put out uh, such an accurate account of my contract negotiations in the October 14th Wrestling Observer that I was sure it was all coming from an insider from one or both organizations. Uh, I spoke about not being greedy for money, but being greedy for respect and about how much soul searching I had done. But it came right down to it. I owed everything I've ever done. Uh, I plan on doing with my WF fans. I'll be a WF forever, I proclaimed. Uh, I said I, I wanted wrestling fans all over the world to have somebody they could look up to, someone who didn't dance and pose for girly books. Shawn Michaels would never be as tough as me. He'll never be as smart as me. And that's why I accepted the challenge to face the best wrestler in the WWF, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, uh, I guess and I guess Shawn was furious about that. But uh, we can move on. We can move on here. Um, because eventually Vince would, as we know, rescind that contract offer, saying that uh, he couldn't afford it. Yeah. Which I mean, again, it's one of those things. You're not going to hear me uh, defend Bret Hart too much. When you first hear about this story, right? It's like I told you before we started doing this. You know, say this is ten years ago. And, you know, Bret Hart signed this massive 20-year deal. I remember the books, the interviews, making it seem like it was just this astronomical amount. And, like, oh, Vince can't afford it because it's going to close the WWE. But, but they gave... Most um, paid. After, after Bret left, they gave uh, Mike Tyson $1.5 million. Just for us. Yeah. Just, just want to throw that out there. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, so there, there's a lot of those situations where, like you said, first hear about this, and you're like, oh my God, poor Brett. Oh my God, why would Vince offer that? When in reality, it's, oh, the so Brett did that, huh? Oh, Brett accepted that, huh? On a, on a lighter note, um, everyone loves the Bret Hart Stone Cold WrestleMania match. Yeah. The Survivor Series match is probably a step below it, if that. And it is a very underrated, not talked about matchup, only because of how overshadowed it is compared to the WrestleMania match. 
a lot of people, a lot of people say uh, the Brett Austin match at thirteen, um, which mainly only happened because of uh, Sean uh, having a phantom knee injury. Yep. Um, Consider the Brett Austin match one of the best WrestleMania matches of all time. Do you do you agree with that that statement? Do you feel that Brett and Austin are that matches up there? Oh, it it's definitely up there, especially when you look at all the variables. I mean, it it that match really introduced the Attitude Era. Um, it had all the visuals because to me, to be a top WrestleMania match, there has to be like when you say the match, your mind should instantly think of something. Taker and Shawn Michaels think of um, either the Taker dive or the Shawn moonsault. Um, the first Mania, I just think of the crowd as Hogan and Mr. Tear in the ring. The ladder match, Shawn jumping off onto Scott Hall. I mean, every big match just has, you know, that memory that sticks with you. And clearly, Austin bleeding this one for this mania um but it, i mean it had it all it had technicality it had brawling it and, and especially for this time period when you're kind of at an influx of where is wrestling going is it going to go back to the old school wrestling are we moving forward with this hardcore blood stuff it's it's definitely you can argue it's a top three match you could argue it's the top match. Uh, not very many that can top it. And I think it's kind of like wine where it's just gotten better with age. I think it was uh, Bruce Pritchard, I think, uh, said that I guess um, Austin and Brett uh, went into business from themselves and had the uh, blood. I guess the match oh. that they wanted and like scripted out. Uh, did not did not have blood. Austin was supposed to just pass out. Which okay. I, I, I don't know how much I believe that because that sounds like the fucking dumbest idea. I feel like yeah. Austin passing out um, in a pool of blood. Well, and that's, especially that's, that's with... the money shot right there. And that just shows how yeah, well, how smart Steve Austin and Bret Hart are. Let's say, especially with how the cameras were positioned and how it focused on his face, I feel like if it wasn't planned, you wouldn't have got that great shot of the blood like dripping down Austin's teeth. Yeah, so. I don't know. Bruce Pritchard's a great guy. His podcasts are very fun. He has a lot of good information. Yeah, I, I listened to his episode in preparation for this, and he doesn't really add too much because he wasn't in the know. Um, the only no. insight that he has, which is interesting, was he was actually on the headset at uh, Survivor Series 97. Um, oh. And he was sitting there, and it happens, and then uh, Owen and the rest of the Hart Foundation uh, were standing in Gorilla, and they were looking at him like it was like his fault. <laughs> and he, they didn't know what to do. Um, he didn't know what to do because he, he obviously wasn't in on it. And I guess he was, he got up and he started walking towards Vince's office and the undertaker was standing outside of Vince's office. Uh, and they kind of had like this look of undertaker thought that he knew 
And then Bruce thought that Undertaker knew because he saw him outside of Vince's office. Like, oh, he's protecting Vince. Like, he knew. he was, Undertaker was in on it. Because, oh. you know, he's Undertaker. Because Undertaker's Vince's boy, you know? Or Vince is a... Undertaker's Vince's boy, yeah. And, I wonder how they felt about that, too. Because I know Bruce Pritchard and Undertaker have had a long history. Both coming from the Texas area. Brother Love starting with Undertaker. That kind of thing. I mean, I, I'm sure emotions were just running wild backstage. I mean, the only thing I could think to compare it to, and it's an awful comparison, it's like the Red Scare, where <laughs> you don't know you don't know who's an enemy. Who knew? Like, who, who was there? Yeah. And, uh, and, I, and that, that's another thing like that Bruce got into on in his podcast, was like the days after, because they had Raw the next day, and then a Raw yep. taping on Tuesday, because they were live tape, live tape. Uh, okay. Back then. So every other week was taped, and they would tape it like on a Tuesday after the live show. Um, I guess like those two days was a lot of like people sitting down and like actually talking about it. Um, and it, and it, besides Mick Foley and uh, Brett's like immediate family, not many people had too much loyalty uh, no. to Brett. They 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 sided with the man that was paying them, and they all kind of bought in to the uh, it was best for business uh, mentality. Yeah. Um, but we're not we're not quite there. We're not quite to Montreal yet. Uh, we're still. I I feel like to tell the complete story of Montreal, um, we have to talk about the relationship of Brett and Sean, uh, and how we got there, and how exactly Vince wanted to uh, terminate or get out of the contract um, uh, that we had. So go on. We have the match of my WrestleMania thirteen. Brett is hurt, mm-hmm. takes some time off, has surgery. Uh, he's coming back. Um, there's going to be a match at King of the Ring uh, between Brett and Sean. Um, and we can start here at, on May 19th at Raw in Mobile, Alabama. Oh. Uh, Sean and I built more heat for a King of the Ring match because my knee is still still wasn't ready and I couldn't go long. Uh, Vince's idea was that I'd promise that if I if I didn't beat Sean in less than 10 minutes, I'd never wrestle in America again. A Heart Foundation member would be handcuffed at each ring post, and of course one of them would free themselves to ensure that I won, just in the nick of time. Uh, during an in-ring interview for the first half of the night, Sean was groggy and slurring his words. Uh, as I climbed into the ring with the Heart Foundation to open up the second half, Sean appeared on the big screen, wasted, suggested on live TV that I couldn't get up for 10 minutes and that I'd be having some sunny days. <laughs> a blatant suggestion that I'd been sleeping with Sonny. I couldn't hear him well because it was so noisy in the ring, so the remarks sailed right over my head. When the interview was over, most of the boys were seething at how unprofessional it was. Any hopes we had for working together went out the window. Sean was so out of it that night. Hunter and China had to help him out of the building. Of course they did. It, you know, just on a on a off topic, just while talking about it though, Shawn Michaels owes so much to Triple H. Yeah. I mean, you figure when he was wrestling, he'd help him out of the building, he'd keep him out of trouble. When he came back in two thousand two, it was because Triple H essentially got him back. And you figure now, Sean's running NXT, and he's what? Second or third in command 
within the WWE landscape because of Triple H. I mean, I, I don't, I, I don't know what else Hunter can do for him. He gave him the job in NXT. Uh, I don't. Triple H is a very good friend, you know. Yeah. I, I hope I am as a good a friend uh, to you as Triple H was to Shawn Michaels. I'll be honest. I don't know if anyone could be a good a friend as Triple H was to Shawn Michaels. I mean, I, I, you haven't had to bring me out of interviews, stadiums, press conferences, drugged or drunk off my ass. Uh, only dorm rooms, not not the same. Yeah, yeah, it's not the same. <laughs> not the same. Uh, Meredith is no Vince McMahon. <laughs> uh, our poor old RA. She had no idea. She did not deserve what happened. <laughs> uh, where was I? Uh, when I got home, uh, Julie and Stu were upset about the Sonny comment. But it wasn't until Dallas, uh, Brett's son, and all of his school pals asked me whether I was doing stuff with Sonny that I realized that Sean had hurt my family. <coughs> at, the, at that time, the pro wrestling code of honor was still clear. No man hurts no one no man hurts another man's family. Jim Ross phoned me at home to apologize on behalf of the office and to promise that Sean's unprofessional behavior would be dealt with. I heard that line before. This time I felt like I had to do something to settle the score. Oh. Throughout that week I brooded about what to do. Brooded about what to do. I wondered about beating the hell out of Sean for real at the pay per view. But that could be costly to the company if he got badly hurt. And I also had to be careful of my knee. And I decided to tell Vince I had to pull out of the pay-per-view because my knee wasn't ready. Vince had a plan. Stone Cold would finally catch me alone, flatten me, and bash the hell out of my knee. Take me out of the pay-per-view storyline. Uh, that would have been a clean win over Sean. At the Raw in Huntington, West Virginia, on June 2nd, I had an in-depth talk with Vince. He told me that the company was in financial peril and that he was only just hanging on. Jesus. The next six months would either make him or break him. He said that Ted Turner was hell-bent on putting him out of business. He told me he might have no other choice but to restructure my contract. Of course, I'd still get every dime he owed me, but I'd get it on the back end, years down the road. He added that he appreciated how hard I was working for him. He told me not to worry about anything. I sure didn't want to receive the money. I sure didn't want to receive the money owing to me now at the back end uh, of my contract. So I did call my lawyer to see what my options were if Vince tried to do that kind of move. But when it came right down to it, I didn't believe that he ever would. Uh. King of the Ring went down on June 8th, according to the new plan. The next day, we were all supposed to be at Raw in Hartford. Sean was nowhere to be found. I happened to mention to Jim that as soon as I saw Sean, I was going to straighten him out once and for all. <laughs> I never thought that Jim the Anvil Nightheart could be a voice of reason, but he got a worried look on his face and pleaded with me. Please, I just got back here. 
don't do anything now. God, Brett, I need this job. Just forget about it. Oh, my God. That's I was going to do a bit about that, and that's what he actually said. That's what he said. Oh, that's, my God. What could I say? I resigned myself to not beating the shit out of Sean. <laughs> oh, my God. At 6 p.m., I went to the bathroom to gel my hair before going across the hall to tape interviews. Uh, gel my hair. <sighs> I was surprised to see Sean's reflection go by me in the mirror. I could see he was uptight, so I smiled and casually said, Hey, Sean. He cut me off. Fuck you. <laughs> you. You haven't talked to me in over a fucking month. What makes you think I'm going to talk to you now? Even though I had gel all over my hands, I was primed to go back to my original plan. But Sean vanished throughout, through the doorway, past Crush, who was lacing his boots up and heard the whole thing. I set out to find Sean, but he was gone. I paced around backstage area until Owen, Davey, Jim, and Pillman came to find me. I know Sean's watching from somewhere, waiting for him to leave this room. I bet you the second I walk out of here, he'll walk in. All the stuff is here. Watch. I crossed the hall, walked into the interview room, and cracked open the door to peek back out into the hall. Sean strode past me into the dressing room. He was bent over fixing his boots when I marched straight up to him. I pushed him to his feet. You got something to say to me? He flicked a weak punch at me and missed. Balancing awkwardly on my good leg, I popped him on the chin, rocking him on, on his heels. He came for me, so I grabbed him by his long mane and pretended I was doing a hammer throw at the Olympics. I was dragging him around the room when hysterical Pat and frantic, frantic lawyer Lawler uh, ran in and jumped on top of me. Unable to pry me off, Pat shouted for other wrestlers to help. But Davey and Crush had no intention of saving Sean. It was nothing but a stretch, stretch fight, really. That's a weird word. I never even seen that. Uh, it just sounds like some high school shit. Yeah. And granted, Shawn Michaels was a prick and he made a lot of enemies, but still. So I just realized with Nash and Hall and Pac gone, Shawn Michaels pretty much only had Triple H. I mean, granted, The Undertaker was like a neutral party. But it doesn't seem like the rest of the BDK liked Sean. So that's, you know, Yogazuna, Crush, Papa Shango, who's not a small man, Rikishi, uh, and then you got the Hearts, who, you know, Davy Boy's obviously juiced up at this time. <laughs> yeah. Jim's pretty big. I mean, his gut only got bigger throughout the years. Um, Pillman, who's fucking crazy, and you never know when he's going to actually snap. I'm honestly surprised Sean didn't get his ass kicked at this time. Well, well it goes on. This this isn't over yet. Oh. Uh, they were finally oh, separated. Lord. Clumps of Sean's precious hair fell from my hands. I blasted him. <laughs> Don't fuck with me or my family, you little fucker. Sean looked ready to burst into tears as he stomped across the hall to Vince's office. Shining loud enough for everyone to hear. 
Sean quit, saying it was an unsafe working environment. Then he stormed off, slamming the door behind him. Vince looked a little jilted. Uh, Vince looked like a jilted lover whose boy toy had up and left him. But he told me that he had not only that this had not only been inevitable, but was long overdue, and that it was his fault for not dealing with Sean sooner. He told me to take the night off. I felt silly to have come to blows over something so stupid, but with everything in wrestling was supposed to be bullshit, that bullshit was everything to me. Before Raw was off the air, Vince was hyping the inside story of a backstage brawl between me and Sean uh, for sale to fans on his 900 number. <laughs> Wait, so Bret Hart felt silly for the fight that he planned on doing weeks yeah he's pretty good about being a dickhead and then trying to make himself look good or what we call or what we call gaslighting (laughs) oh I'm gonna beat Sean's ass you know it's pretty silly that I had to beat Sean's ass you know I feel kind of bad about it uh Guess I shouldn't have done that, eh? Still can't believe Jim fucking cried. Like I said, I was gonna do a whole bit about how this is my fourth time with the company, Brett. Please, I can't leave again. And then he actually said it. Oh my god. Hearts are a mess. It's pretty sad when Jimmy Hart is the <laughs> strongest heart. Oh, well, the uh, the hearts are kind of a cursed family. We'll say. Now, to cursed family, you know what a cursed family looks like, the Von Erics. And I don't know about you, but I know of this pretty good podcasting duo, <laughs> the Von Erics episode. Oh, yeah, I wonder where you can find that. Probably at uh, Spotify.com. Search up yeah. Proverbs and they'll come right up, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're poor and you got to listen to it on Google Podcasts, <laughs> <laughs> you can go over there, type it into Google. It'll pop up, I'm sure. I haven't checked it, uh, but that's what the website tells me, you know. Uh, it's on Apple Podcasts, too. Uh, we love you, poor people. Yes. Yeah. You Jim Neidharts of the world. <laughs> Uh, let's see here. Oh, this is a funny little story. Uh, Sean, Sean ended up coming back. Uh, Vince trying to stop his paychecks, whatever. Uh, Sean was going to be the guest referee for Summer for at SummerSlam with his match with uh, Undertaker. Um, but on Warren, on one warm, beautiful night, Blade, his his youngest son, he's like seven uh, at this time. Blade. Blade. Like hockey blade, B L A D E. Jesus Christ! What was his other son? I don't know. He has he has like too many. Uh, he has. Uh, I don't know. His repeat only says he only has he has four children. I don't know. Dallas Blade Jade is Alexandria. I'm glad one of them got a real name. Oh, it doesn't matter. He calls her Beans. Beans. So they all have pet names. They're like my little pets. Like that's, that's, that's like cat names. 
Oh, come here, Dallas. Come here, Beans. I have, I have a cat named Bean. <laughs> oh, Brett, you're a mess. <laughs> oh, Brett. Uh, Blade got upset <laughs> while I was putting him to bed and started stomping around slamming doors. I finally picked him up and put him in his bed and told him to go to sleep. I was downstairs again chatting with Julie when Blade wandered defiantly past me wearing a Shawn Michaels t-shirt, hat, and heart-shaped Uh-oh. glasses, opening and closing his red leathered glove fist. Julie and I struggled not to laugh. I coolly said to Blade, what are you supposed to be? He put on his most serious face and said, I'm in the click. <laughs> he broke into a big grin and said, nah, I'm just bugging you, dad. Aww. So all that reminds me of, um, so my key memories in wrestling really start when The Rock was the undisputed champion. And um, he held it from vengeance to SummerSlam. It's not a long time. And he fought, like, Ric Flair. You know, he had a Triple H match. One week, it was with Eddie Guerrero. And Eddie Guerrero cut this great promo at the top of the ramp. How he went to his kid's room. And he talked, and his kid was talking about how much he loved wrestling. And he just put a poster up of his favorite wrestler. So then Eddie looked at the wall. It wasn't of Eddie Guerrero. It was The Rock. And he ripped the poster off the wall. And that's all that shit reminds me of. Is just and, and you know there's gotta be some wrestler out there that this actually happened to. Like, oh, do you want a Stevie Richards action figure? It's me, your dad. Fuck you, Dad. I want a Rob Van Dam. But you can have Stevie Richards. No. You suck. I just <laughs> you know this had to have happened. Yeah. And there's there's some wrestling dad or mom out there that just hates their kid. <clears throat> and I love it. Uh, I think in the uh, interest of time, we're going to skip ahead um, to October of 97. Uh, Brett and Taker have their match at SummerSlam. We touched on it earlier. Sean was a special guest referee. Cost uh, Taker the match. Blah, blah, blah. Brett is now WWF champion. Um, and also, in the meantime, uh, unfortunately, Brian Pillman Jr. also passed away during this time. Ah, uh, uh, yes. A close friend to Brett. Um, yeah, it, um, it, it's interesting. Um Again, I go on these little side tangents. But Chris Benoit died right when he was supposed to win the ECW title. Eddie Guerrero died and he was supposed to win the World Heavyweight title. Owen Hart was supposed to win the Intercontinental. You, uh, you, you, you know what rivalry Brian Pillman was in at this time? Um, so, I forget which order it happened. But in one of the matches, he lost to Goldust... And after that, Brian Pillman had to wear a dress. Um, in the other match, he beat Goldust, and then he got to have Goldust's wife as his own personal sex slave. <laughs> Attitude era, everyone. The best time in wrestling, supposedly. <laughs> oh, God. Um, so we'll start 
Actually, we'll start on uh, September 22nd uh, at Raw in Madison Square Garden. Uh, Brent was summoned into Vince's office for a private chat. Uh, what the fuck was that? Was that cat? Was that Bean? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you fucking just croaked. Y'all know the, the diabetes got him. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, 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 September 22nd at Raw Madison Square Garden, I was summoned into Vince's office for a private chat. He rocked me with the news that he wasn't just thinking of breaching the terms of my contract, but was actually going to do it. Uh, in the weeks ahead, he wasn't going to pay me my full salary because of problems he attributed to... To Ted Turner. He told me that I was the Cal Ripken of the WWF and he fully intended to pay me what he owed me on the back end of my 20 year deal. Uh, Just think if Brett hadn't have whined about this. So 20 years, even before 20 years, like had they made it out of 97, 96, like that era, Brett probably would have got paid more. With how well WWE did with merchandise, granted but, he wouldn't have been like the top guy. Does all that happen if Brett stays low? Does does like Brett's I, like position the company having to be a top guy? Will that take away from Steve Austin's rise? I think so. In my fantasy booking, I guess I guess a quick little scripture. Brett and Vince have this talk. Brett doesn't want to go to WCW, but he's pissed off at Vince. Vince lets him take a sabbatical, so then Brett tries acting again. He fails again. As he fails, that's when Austin reaches his peak, becomes champion, and then boom, you can have Austin versus Hart for the title, where Austin is the clear babyface, the clear big guy. And after this, you can have Brett Hart... You know, you've got new matchups now with Taker, Kane, a rising Rocky Maivia, an even bigger Mankind. Um, then you could have, I mean, later down the line, I think it makes sense for Brett to feud with the corporation because they could always bring up how, you know, Vince bought his, oh, Vince, you bought my dad's company and you ruined my family. Shit like that. Yeah. I, I, I think it all could have worked out. As long as, you know, Brett tried Hollywood again and failed miserably again. And I... It's kind of... I don't know, it's such, like, broad, like, a what-if scenario. Like, I don't, I don't know if Brett still has a stroke. Like, does, he, does, he, does his marriage... Because later in this book and in uh, his wife's book, they talk about how the Montreal Screwjob, like, affected his personal life. Like, he couldn't get over it. And it put a little yeah, strain on his marriage. Why? Does, like, does he still have, like, these personal, like, problems with his wife? Does he take that bike ride to the divorce lawyer's <laughs> office, fall in that hole, and have the stroke? Like, if he doesn't, so, like, he's around for 2002. Sean still gets clean, presumably. I don't know. Uh, uh, could you imagine? Like, 
Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels, WrestleMania 19. That's, that's, or WrestleMania but they're both healthy? Yeah. See, and I and, and this is going to sound awful, especially since I've been dog and breath the whole time. I think the only one that could have stopped Austin would have been if Sean wouldn't have hurt his back. I think Sean would have been the only one that could have derailed Austin by just being the little prick that he was. Yeah. I think Brett would have saw that even though he didn't like the way the business was going, he wasn't going to be a Bruno Sammartino about this. And, ew, gore. Ew, swearing. Ew, sex. Ew. He would have went with what wrestling was doing. He would have kind of done like Owen did. Like, hey, I know this is where the business is going. I'll still wrestle here, but I kind of want a wholesome gimmick, which would just be Brett being. my kids. Yeah, which would just be Brett being Brett. But I think Shawn Michaels had his back been fine. I want to reign like Hogan's. I want to have it for years. Blah, 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 blah. Like, I... I, I, as much as I'll shit on Brett during this podcast, or Shawn Michaels, a hundred percent was the bigger asshole. No questions for me. So yeah, uh, Vince tells him that he's not gonna honor his contract. Uh, at least he's not gonna pay his full salary uh, on a week to week basis. Um, uh, but he did. Confide that he has no problem if you want to see if WCW will make you that same deal as before. I hear that Hogan is finishing up there soon. Your timing couldn't be more perfect. Uh, That's what Brett wants, to replace Hogan again. <laughs> uh, he wanted to say that if I left, I would actually be doing him a favor because he was always he was about to downsize into a northeastern U.S. promotion. What? That I, I, that doesn't make sense. I don't think Vince ever thought about that. That would just be him going back to running, like the old WWF territory. Yeah. Which I mean, that'd be stupid because like, WCW really never left the South. I mean, they would have special shows elsewhere, but they still stayed in the Atlanta, Florida area. Like, and. That's stupid. Bret Hart, that's stupid. Brett's stupid. Continue. Uh, <laughs> because of my 14 years of loyal service, he said, he wanted to give me the opportunity to be able to approach WCW before everyone else did, uh, since he'd be letting a lot of wrestlers go. He described me as the first guy in the lifeboat. You don't even have to drop the belt if you don't want to. You hold all the cards. He even said that he would secretly help me to ge- negotiate my deal if I wanted. His final words. And, and like I mentioned before, not to cut you off there, Vince did do this. Um, he helped negotiate Bobby Heenan's contract. Um, he helped negotiate me Gene's contract. The rumor is he helped negotiate Hogan's contract. Um, yeah, he, and he, later on, like he Vince. Again, you know, say what you want about Vince, especially with everything that's happened now. The man was loyal. I mean, when he bought his company from his dad, his dad made him promise, you know, oh, certain people have lifetime jobs, like, you know, your Pat Patterson's Grilla Monsoons. Vince didn't have to follow that. Like, there's there no contract signed, there's nothing said. He could have said, okay, dad. And then when his dad died, he'd have been like, all right, fuck all you old people. Fuck y'all. 
fuck you, Boomer. But I mean, he, he, he stayed loyal, and it showed it when Brett came back. Yeah. Like, Vince, Vince is one of the... I mean, even when Bruno came back, Vince walked in and found him, hugged him. Well, he was even he was even super loyal uh, to Brett, like, on, like, a handshake type of deal. Because when he bought Stampede, <sighs> um, Stu was like, you gotta take my son with you. Yeah, he had to take Brett... I think it was Brett, Jim, Davey, and Dynamite. Yeah. Which, I mean, a world-class wrestler, a fatty, wife beater, and a steroid junkie. <laughs> so, I mean, <laughs> one out of four ain't bad. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. Yeah, like you said, he like he helped Hogan. He like I know we kind of glossed over here, but we talked about it before we started. Uh, that He heard that Hogan... As deal was up, and we were kind of playing if they if Vince thought that there was a chance he could get Hogan here, and he's just working Brett, uh, so he was trying to clear up money to bring in Hogan. Uh, but it turns out that it was kind of like a a thing with Vince and Hogan to like have negotiations out in public. They met like in an airport diner or something, so it would get leaked to the dirt sheets, so Hogan could get a better deal from WCW at this time. Um. Uh, so that's that. Uh, yeah. Uh, first guy in the lifeboat. You haul all the cards. Can't drop the title if you don't want to. Help negotiate the deal. Uh, but for now, I shouldn't breathe a word to anybody. If the news the news leaked out that Vince was in trouble, it would hurt my chances with Bischoff. Hurt my chances. Uh, so somehow, how many promises he broke in one short conversation? That I didn't know what to reply. Uh, I uh, worked raw like a zombie. New York has always been my best American town, and my loyal following fans couldn't bring themselves to hate me like I was hated everywhere else. I feared having to sue Vince over my contract, and also feared that WCW wouldn't want to pay me so much since I turned them down last time. My words were only compounded by disgust, as Hunter and Sean told me they wanted me to call them gay in my interview, like a true homophobe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on the mic that night, Hunter referred to the business as a cheap whore with her legs spread wide apart, and he was right. <laughs> but this was still supposed to be a kid's show. Uh, Pat Patterson, back from his break, had Steve Lombardi win a battle royal so Lombardi could face me for the title at the Garden on November 15th. Steve was a veteran jobber, but Pat thought it'd be different to let a real dark horse win and have a shot for once I said it's your most important market and that's what you want to do go ahead oh I mean poor broken brawler Brett acts like this is something new I mean the brawler again loyalty he stuck with the company for so long was a jobber so long I mean this isn't the first time this happened there was the one, I forget who helped him, but he beat Triple H in like a non-title match. Triple H's reign in like the early 2000s. In, and he was managed by Bobby Heenan in the 80s, 90s. I don't know. See, that's what I mean. Bret Hart, I, I, which is funny, because Steve Lombardi is one of the people he thought should go in the Hall of Fame before Goldberg. But, you know, <laughs> what do I know? Not as much as Bret, I guess. Um, yeah. 
uh, quickly, uh, September 24th, uh, Owen and him drove up to Toledo together, listening to the audiobook of The Killer's Angels, um, something about the Battle of Gettysburg's. Um, they, they visited Jesse James' house, uh, where he was shot from behind by one of his own men. Two brothers who are in the same Not business all their lives live and learn a lot together. I confided to him everything Vincent said. Owen, I'm going to end up getting screwed in the end with bad feelings for the business and the people in it. Vince told me the business oh, isn't just about the I'm money. Sure. What a hypocrite. I'm sure. Yep, you're going to get screwed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you knew it all that. Yep. Oh, yeah. You have to sue him. I'm Bret Hart. <laughs> I'm Bret Hart. I'm going to get screwed. I'm Bret Hart. I can see into the future. Um, Why don't fans hate him? I've bit my tongue long enough. They hate Hogan. I get why they hate Hogan. He said the word, and I I, I understand. I get why they hate Ric Flair, because the plane ride from hell thing. Is, is that what's keeping Bret Hart from being hated? Because Bret Hart, but besides those two events with those guys, right? Mm-hmm. Hogan's just an asshole. Ric Flair's just a drunk. What separates them from Bret Hart being this prick? Besides none, none of that. Them. Um, never Brett's alleged uh, physical altercations with his wife have never really been uh, publicized much. <laughs> so I'm like I don't say it as a joke because uh, she writes about it in her book. Um, I don't think we're gonna get to it uh, in these episodes. Um, but Brett like so slams, slams her against the like the, the wall and like does like a like a takedown on her and like. So is that it? Because nothing was reported on, so he was never... Yeah, he's never really had, like, a... Like the, a the only time he's an asshole is in the imaginary wrestling world. Yeah, because he takes the business too seriously. Yeah, that's why, that's such... why people, people in the business don't like him because of that. Or the I'm saying, if those listening to this, me out to be some kind of dick, because I'm here trying to say you should like Hogan and Flair instead of Hart. I, I mean, yes, I know what Hogan and Flair did is bad. I love Ric Flair. I'm probably one of the biggest Flair fans in the world. And I know all the bad shit he did. But you can't tell me that it's easier to like Bret Hart than it is to like Ric Flair. Because we're not even probably halfway through this. And I want <laughs> to strangle Bret Hart. We're not even to November. <laughs> so Yeah, like, fuck, man. I- why do people like this guy? Uh, but we're going to skip ahead a little bit because uh, these next couple pages uh, is about the death of Brian Pillman. Uh, that's something we will probably cover eventually. Um, and I can come yeah. Back to this. Um, but just a... Uh, he does put us on here just, just to, to bring drive home the the rivalry between Sean and Brett. Uh, they had the live Raw in Kansas City the next day. Uh, Vince announces the death in the ring. They have 10 bell salute. Rick Rude, Owen, Davey, Jim, and I sadly bowed our heads. The only two wrestlers who didn't come out, Sean and Hunter. Of course. Um, I forgot how close he was to Rick Rude. It really did. But Rude and Henning were two big heart supporters. Yeah, that's 
That's another thing. Rude leaves after the screw job. That's when he shows up on Nitro. Yeah. Then, so he's oh. he's uh he's he's probably the only person that left because he was he wasn't working on a contract at the time. He didn't have an actual contract. He was just showing nope, up. No, because he yeah, because he was the bodyguard manager, whatever you want to call it. And at the time, a lot of those were just handshakes, like your valets, your bodyguards. Uh, it wasn't really until Rude left, Vince was like, huh, maybe I should work on this. But then again, Rude was under that Lloyds of London policy, so he couldn't wrestle. So, I mean, he lost Rick Rude, whose biggest gimmick was, let me take my robe off and show how hot I am. <laughs> and since he couldn't wrestle... He couldn't do that. So, I mean, I'm sure Vince wasn't too worried. But uh, that'd, be a, that'd be a fun one to go into one day. Rude appearing on both, trying to come back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then the other quick, another quick thing about this uh, episode. Um, Sean said he wanted me to denounce him and Hunter has homos. Uh, but I would only lead to more tension between us. Uh, since both of them are part of the booking committee, I did as I was told. Wait, they were on the booking committee? Sean and Hunter were, yeah. Again, people <laughs> hate on Ric Flair and they kind of throw shade at Dusty Rhodes because they were on the booking committee when they were at the top. It's fine. Most wrestling people, when they're on the committee, they book themselves to the top because who else can you trust besides yourself? And family, which is why the Von Erichs were like that. This is one of the first times, to my knowledge, I realized that Sean and Hunter are on the booking committee. Why is this not brought to bigger light? And why are they not shit on for it? Um, I know it's in Sean's book, and I wish I had a copy of it. Um, yeah, I don't read. <laughs> I <know. laughs> There's a point where they're on a uh, a phone call uh vince um sean hunter and everybody else on the book committee i think Cornette, russo um, uh-huh. pritchard patterson whoever um and see, there's, there's a bunch of different there's like six different people who claim they gave vince the idea for the screw job and yeah. in this in this instance it was hunter He'd speak up. He he, was, he said something like, uh, "I know I'm not supposed to talk during these, but uh, why don't we just screw him or something like that?" So I don't remember. Fun exactly fact. This. Um. So you know how Triple H and Paul Heyman don't have like the steadiest relationship. It's funny that you'd say that about you know I'm not supposed to talk during these because when Paul Heyman was first on the NWA booking committee. And, like, when they would book their shows, he was just supposed to sit there and be silent. He actually snuck into booking committees with Dusty. Hmm. And then Dusty called him to the front of the room, you know, sit there, Daddy, let you learn from the American dream, that kind of thing. It's kind of funny how their careers parallel in that aspect. Um, But, yeah, you mentioned that all these people, and it's one of those things, because, you know, probably the biggest event in wrestling history. Yeah. So, of course, you're going to want to take credit for it. Pritchard really wasn't there. He can't take credit. Um, Pat Patterson loves Bret Hart too much. Can't take credit for it. Uh, I, I I don't think Shawn Michaels has the balls to do it, to be perfectly honest. Uh, I don't think Vince Russo 
mattered at this point. So well, I he, think we can get him out of there. He claims he claims it was his idea. Yeah, Venture is a fucking idiot. So so does Cornell. Um, Cornell claims I, it was his idea too. I see. I think. And I, and I know for the couple people out there that like Russo more than Cornette, they're going to think that I'm just shitting on Russo. Cornette had been in the business for years at this point, and he worked in Memphis. And uh, there's a joke within a lot of like wrestling, whether it's wrestling fans, wrestling historians, etc., that everything started in Memphis. Andy Kaufman was celebrity wrestling, gimmick matches, hair versus hair matches, um, the gimmick of being blinded, managers, like everything supposedly started in Memphis. So it would make sense that Cornette would have an idea about a screw job, especially because he came from that classic era of wrestling where as far back as uh, Buddy Rogers, you know, if you're not going to do the right thing, you're going to get stretched and you're going to lose. I believe Cornette could have pitched this, I don't think he would have because he hated Shawn Michaels. <laughs> and I think he'd have too much respect for Brett. Now, do I think Jim would have respected the championship belt more? Yeah, I think so. The more the more I sit and I kind of stew on it, Triple H makes the most sense. He's always had that mind for the business, you know. Literally, his fucking on-screen character in the late 20. 10s, early 2010s, was what's best for business. And right. I think tongue-in-cheek, it stemmed from this. Can't do what's best for business. Screwing Bret Hart and Daniel Bryan. Yes, screwing Bret Hart, screwing Daniel Bryan, screwing the boss's daughter, taking his position in the company. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, could have been anybody. But, but uh, I... Yeah, anyone about Venture so. Yeah, I think everybody has a good claim besides Vince Russo. He, the dark side of the ring, because Vince Russo's on that part too. They have like a little segment where Cornette and Russo yeah. go back and forth about who knew and who suggested it. That's it's a funny, it's a funny little interaction. Bro, I came up with it. I came up with everything. I wasn't even in wrestling when Hogan won the title. Bro, I came up with that. Bro, I went to WCW, and bro, when they listen to me, they pro still be in bro business, bro. Bro. <laughs> bro, I came up with Matt Riddle, bro. <laughs> uh, a couple days later, I was in L.A. to do an appearance on Mad TV. Uh, and I was able to arrange a meeting with Eric Bischoff, who had also happened to be in town. He was still interested in me, but he couldn't negotiate until I had clearance to do so from the WWF. Uh, Eric told me that there are all kinds of ongoing legal battles between WWF and WCW, going back as far as when Alundra Blaze, a champion of a short-lived women's division of the WWF, oh. showed up on Nitro and dropped a WWF belt in a garbage can. Since Vince's logo was on the belt, Vince had WCW by the balls for trademark infringement. The latest core battle had Vince charging Eric with uh, treacherous interference over the Hall and Nash deal, saying Eric had encouraged them to breach their contract with him. <clears throat> I didn't tell Eric that Vince said he wanted to help me make this deal, but I did tell him that Vince said I could leave any way I wanted, uh, even as champion. Eric made it clear that it didn't matter to him at all whatever. Whether I was still champion, advising me simply to leave on good terms. 
I retained the title in a triple threat match in San Jose on October 12th with Stone Cold, Hunter, and my boy, Shamrock. My boy. My boy. Uh, Sean was the guest referee. After the match with Jim Neihart and Ken beside me in the dressing room, I had a short speech to Sean, knowing that it was official that we would face each other in a title match at Survivor Series, which was going to be in Montreal this time. I just want you to know that despite any differences we've had this past year, I have no problem working with you. You can trust me in every way to be professional. What you need to know, Sean, is that you're not in any danger. I also want you to know that I have no problem dropping the belt to you if that's what Vince wants. He glared back at me. I appreciate that, but I want you to know that I'm not willing to do the same thing for you. Jesus Christ. Sean's a menace. (laughs) 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 There's no way I could ever drop the belt to him now. He just showed complete disrespect, not only to me, but to the position of champion, which is... A front to an old school traditions and a betrayal of each and every wrestler who ever looked to me as a leader in the dressing room or who had been a leader But you're himself. telling me Bret Hart was the original Jim Cornette. Yeah, because he goes on and says, what kind of arrogant little prick. <laughs> That's the big Jim Cornette to me. <laughs> what kind of arrogant little prick would say that to a champion offering to put him over? Since my deal with Vince was that had creative control over my character for my last 30 days in the WWF, it was up to me whom I lost a championship to. I figured I'd drop the belt to Stone Cold instead. And it's it's interesting that he says Stone Cold here. Because, I mean, again, as years have gone on, we're obviously we're at the 25th anniversary. Um, I've heard names like Ken Shamrock. I've heard names like Mick Foley. I clearly a name, you know, was the Undertaker. Um, and but I get why he didn't drop it to any of them at the time. So Stone Cold, sure he was on the rise, but he wasn't there yet. Mick Foley again, same thing. Um, Mankind and I forget. God, he was all three at this time, but still all three. None of them were like main event level. Ken Shamrock wasn't really a main event level yet. He didn't hit that until he was really deep into a feud with the nation. Um, So, I mean, the only one he could realistically lose it to was Taker. But if the plan was for Austin to win it, and you want Austin to be the new babyface, you're not going to have him take it off of Taker, who at the time himself was a babyface. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense why Vince wanted it to be Michaels. From the storyline standpoint... From the babyface versus heel standpoint, I mean, yeah, but the the history between the two literally on television, they've clearly been like, yeah, as we've been talking about mean, for like for the past like half a year, they've been going at it on television, taking shots at each well, other. And not only that, but you figure if you go back as far as when they started, Hart Foundation versus Rockers for the tag team titles, and Bret Hart versus Shawn Michaels for the Intercontinental Title, which. You know, they helped bring in so many different match types. Um, they actually prototyped the ladder match those two did. And now you're getting to the WWE title. How many feuds, realistically, have spread over all three major championships? None jump out to my head. Maybe WCW, you could argue Booker T and Scott Steiner, because Harlem Heat and the Steiner brothers. Uh... But... 
in and 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 I want it to be a good feud too. I don't just want it to be like a one off. You, you don't really have them. It's rare. You can argue Edge and Jeff Hardy, but there, there's there's not a lot. So this was big. Not as I mean, as these guys at least. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, so I like I said, Vince wanted what he wanted. Um, and it's not his fault that these two were just little diaper wearing babies. Uh, Bischoff's offer from WCW came through 1.8 million a year for three years. <laughs> so he lost a million. <laughs> it's almost half of what he wanted. Um, I God told Eric damn. if he couldn't get me 2.8 to forget about it. Uh, he said he'd have an answer for me by the middle of next week. He had to have done it. I don't know why I'm asking. He had to have. <laughs> Uh, we'll get there we'll get there uh, if, I, if it turned out that I had to leave the WF I started to envision one last interview thanking the fans thank you for being my hero uh, imagine if Brett would have had to go to like ECW that, I would, I would, I'd, I'd be there for it Hart versus RVD Hart versus Rhino you know, I got in the ring with that guy after he smoked those cigs and drank those beers. He actually performed pretty well, much better than that Shawn Michaels or that Goldberg. <laughs> would, would, would he still hate Goldberg in this alternate reality if he never went to WCW? Yes. I, I assume. Yes. I just, he, you know, in a, a different reality, I get kicked in the head by Bill Goldberg and ends my career prematurely. I, what, <laughs> what the fuck are you saying? Uh, thinking the fans, all the wrestlers, and Vince for everything he'd done for me. I still couldn't decide whether Vince was going to kill me off or if he was actually looking out for me. Uh, has he made out he was? Was it really so much to ask to be able to leave with my head up? Uh, Oklahoma City Raw, October 20th, was more of the same. Sean pulled his pants down on camera while Hunter blocked <laughs> the view with a cardboard Degeneration X sign. Uh,. New York Post columnist Phil Mushnick was the one who coined the phrase in an article that was actually critical of the drift of the WWF into sex, sleaze, and soap opera in a way for hunting. Or from wrestling. I don't know why I said hunting. I think I saw the word hunter. Uh, then Sean and the Click took it proudly as their name, and DX came to life. Blah, 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 blah. Okay. Uh, you know why Brett was worried about it being portrayed afterwards, right? Because um, if you think about it at this time, when Hogan, Mean Gene, and Macho Man left, they did the Huckster yeah. and the Nacho Man thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then when Diesel and Razor left, fake they had Razor. fake Diesel and fake Razor. I mean, who knows what they would have done to Bre- Ice. Well, they, with the they, ad- they did, with- they did the, the midget Bret Hart, remember? Yeah! <laughs> well, I, I'm not even thinking that. But, I mean, you figure with the atmosphere going on. I am honestly surprised they didn't have someone come out in all pink and call him the shit man. <laughs> like, I am so shocked that this didn't happen. Um, let's see. Uh, even worse was the storyline where a gang of uh, militant black badasses called the Nation of Domination had their dressing room trashed and sprayed with graffiti and Canadian flags. By the end of the show, I wasn't just portrayed as a homophobic, as homophobic, but as a racist, too. These antics contrasted poorly with Vince's idea of honoring past NWA champions on the same show. 
I felt a little. Oh, that's right. I felt a little embarrassed when I shook the hands of Luthez, Dory, and Terry Funk, and Danny Hodge, who is a champion boxer and also an Olympic silver medalist in wrestling. Those are four legitimate badasses, too. Oh my god. The following day at a taped Raw in Tulsa, I informed Vince where I was with WCW, stretching that the window he'd given me to negotiate with them closed on November 1st. Well, whatever happens, we'll deal with it, he said. He told me that he was trying everything, even selling property, to be able to afford to keep me. I, I don't believe that. Um, then he said, I want to talk to you about Survivor Series. I want you to drop the belt to Sean. But you'll win it back for a sixth time at the December 7th pay-per-view in Springfield. That is, if you're still with me. If I end up staying, it doesn't make any sense to me that you'd want me to beat me in Canada than have me win the belt back in the States. I told him word for word how Sean had told me he wouldn't put me over. Vince's face got tense and red and asked me if I'd mind repeating everything I said in front of Sean. I'd be happy to. Later that night, Vince called us both into his office where we sat down and he blurted out, Sean, I'm putting the belt back on you. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you, Brett. Uh, Sean began to cry, thanking me and telling me how much he respected me. I said, Sean. Began to cry. Yeah. This wasn't his first title. Like, why would he... God, he is such a bitch, too. I said, Sean, you just told me four days ago in San Jose that you never put me over. <laughs> Sean brushed away his tears, <laughs> sniffling. Sometimes I say the stupidest things. I always put my foot in my own mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I had to get out of there. I don't know what's going on, what's going to happen at Survivor Series. And I'm not agreeing to anything yet, I said. We'll see where all this is going. And Vince, you know what I'm talking about. I called Eric, leaving him numerous messages over the next three days, but never heard a peep. When I arrived at the Nassau Coliseum on October 24th, Vince was there to greet me. He told me that he could pay me after all, that my money was no longer a problem. I told him I hadn't heard a thing from Bischoff. If the money problem was solved, I'd likely stay, but I also told him that I hadn't heard back. I'd keep my opinions open. Then I left on a four-day tour of the Middle East, thinking that Bischoff was just jerking me around and I'd likely have to stay on with Vince. At the airport in Muscat, Oman, kids of all ages usually greeted me with Canadian flags. I wondered where they got them, and then I realized they're all hand-sewn. There's a ma. Okay, I don't really need to hear this fucking jerk-off story about Brett. Um, October 31st. It's Halloween. Happy Halloween, Brett. Uh, as soon as I walked <laughs> into the door of my house in Calgary, Bischoff called. Um, if you remember in the Wrestling with Shadows documentary, because uh, they're Paul J. Like they stopped filming at this point. They stopped filming at SummerSlam, I think. Um, before the, but they had him come back for Survivor Series. He's like, "This is my last match at WWF." Blah blah blah. Come back. And then when it turned out like this was a screw job thing, they re reenacted like these all these fucking phone calls and shit between ah. Vince and Bischoff, which is funny. Uh, just some uh, tidbit there for those of you that know. Uh, Bischoff called. He told me they're up to two point five million for one hundred and twenty five days a year. What else is it going to take to get you down here? He asked. I told him I'd talk to my people and get back to him right away. I called my lawyer, who kept saying over and over. What a sweetie of a deal. 
I don't. Okay. I decided to think everything through and call Vince first thing in the morning. So on Saturday, I called Vince and I told him that what WCW had offered. I want to stay with you, Vince. My contract is fine just the way it is, but I need you to tell me where I'm going and what I'm doing. What's the rest of my story going to be? Vince told me he'd think about it and call me back. But as the deadline crept closer, he still hadn't called. I finally tracked him down getting his hair cut in Manhattan. Vince, I've only got till midnight. He told me not to worry about the deadline and to call him Sunday morning. Minutes later, I had my lawyer on the line tell me that Vince's word over the phone meant nothing in a court of law. And only last talked with Eric, who happily said, What else? Whatever it is you want, you better say it now. I hesitated, but then I said, I can be late sometimes. I've never missed a show in 14 years or hurt another wrestler in my career. I've always been on time for my match. Both events, I'm allowed to get to the show. I bet I'm allowed to get there at showtime. Uh, what else? Injury insurance. With Vince, I'm totally covered for anything. We'll get you insurance. Anything else? After a long pause, I said, that's it. Done? Done. Done. <laughs> so because Vince couldn't tell him was going to happen after Survivor Series, even though he told him he was going to win the title back. Yeah. So made him sign. I'm assuming the original plan would have been drop the Shauna Survivor Series, win it at the December pay-per-view, uh, Austin wins the Rumble, Brett versus Austin again at WrestleMania, he drops the belt to Austin, and then they go from there. I, I mean, they could also do an Austin... They could do it with the triple threat. And then Sean could still take the pin. That way Hart stayed strong, but Austin wins the title. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot they could have done. I don't know. Brett deciding to sign with WCW because he didn't know where his character was going. In a business where it can change literally within 24 hours. That's just that's crazy to me. I mean... His dad literally ran a fucking promotion. You would think he would know that it can change the drop of a hat. That Vince isn't going to have the next fucking ten years planned. We we spoke too soon. This is the this is the next paragraph here. Uh, okay. It was nearly midnight uh, at the East Coast when Vince finally called back. His message to me, expressed with smug good humor, was that I should think with my head and not my heart. When I asked him what he had in mind for me. He gave me that stupid laugh of his and told me that first, I'd put Sean over. <laughs> I put Sean over at Survivor Series. <laughs> then I put him over at a Final Four pay per view the next month that would lead into a ladder. <laughs> <laughs> where that would lead to a ladder match at the Royal Rumble, where I'd put him over again. <laughs> oh no, shit! Finally, I challenged him one last match on Raw, where I'd promise if I didn't win, I'd quit forever. Everybody would think I was going to lose, but Vince chuckled, well, fuck him, and you'll get your hand raised. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be kidding me, I said. I thought you'd come up with something to make me stay. <laughs> uh, well, Vince how does that not make him stay? I mean, Vince got irritated with me now, saying, I don't know, you tell me. What is it you want to do? Hell, Vince, you're the genius. You made me turn heel. You made me say all kinds of things about Americans, and they all hate me now. You turned off my heat and gave it all to Sean, and all I am anymore is a lukewarm heel. I don't even know what to do with me. Isn't that essentially what the lead-up to that King of the Ring pay-per-view was? Oh, 
oh man, if I don't win, I'm, I'm never gonna wrestle in America again. And then he wins. No, he, I, he didn't. He didn't wrestle the match. Well, he didn't wrestle it, but that's what the feud was gonna be. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, why wouldn't he? At this point, like I said, and again, go back ten years or go back when you first find out about this, and you think, oh man, Vince forced Brett out. Vince didn't do anything for Brett. Oh my God, Vince hates Brett. He told him to leave. You're telling me that Brett was going to lose, 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 and then get the big one on Raw and probably go into Mania as the champion. What is the fucking issue with that? Because, I mean, it's... I, I, I mean... Big, the biggest issue to me with this, and this is hindsight, if he fights Sean in a ladder match at the Rumble, and Sean doesn't fight Taker in a casket match, and A, Sean doesn't hurt his back... So then Sean is still with the company, and he keeps Stone Cold from reaching his peak, according to my logic. Yeah. And B, since he doesn't fight Taker in the casket match, we don't get that cool scene of Kane setting the casket on fire with Taker in it. <laughs> um, oh, the December pay-per-view was bad blood, wasn't it? That's just clicking with me. Is it? Yeah, how they've done... Sure. I'm gonna look. December's... I know they have In Your House... I think it was. Oh, it might have been that. Uh, in your house, DX. I think it was called. Whoops! 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 Uh, we dated on Google. I didn't put anything wrestling related. Yep, it is DX in your house. What actually happened there? It was um, Sean Yuck. versus Ken Shamrock. Shamrock. Yeah. This card kind of sucks. Let and Brian Christopher. Los Bariquas and the Disciples of Apocalypse. Butterbean defeated Mark Marrow. The New Age Outlaws defeated Legion of Doom by DQ. Triple H defeated Slaughter. Jeff Jarrett defeated Undertaker by DQ. Stone Cold defeated The Rock. And Ken Shamrock defeated Shawn Michaels by, you guessed it, DQ. What a great card. I'm glad there's some poor sucker in <laughs> December 97 who got that pay-per-view for Christmas. It was your Christmas present, <laughs> Lil Logan. Hope you enjoy it. <laughs> I've been pissed too because the Outlaws lost, or not the Outlaws, um, Legion of Doom lost to the Outlaws. This would have been around the time that the Outlaws shaved off Hawks Mohawk. Yeah, you, you I punched my TV. Uh, Vince told me again to think with my head, not my heart, and take the WCW offer. Uh, after we hung up, I checked my faction scene and saw the WCW contract coming in. I sat alone oh, sure. in the dark with tears in my eyes. I signed. I'm sure. Put the contract back in the feeder, dialed the number, and pushed send. Uh, I found I'm myself sure. reciting the Lord's Prayer as my 14-year career in the WWF passed before my eyes. I'm sure. Uh, on Sunday, I called Vince at home. He was friendly and more than a little quick as far as I was concerned to advise me that I had done the right thing. He still wanted Sean to beat me at Survivor Series the following weekend. I cut him off and said, I'm sorry, Vince. I've always done everything you've asked, but I can't do that. I'll put over anybody you want, but I'll not under any circumstances put over Shawn Michaels. Where do you get uh, we'll this see, stuff? Pal. Where do you get this stuff? Come on, Vince. I made myself clear both you and Shawn in Tulsa. I'll drop it to Austin or Taker. Hell, I'll even drop it to Lombardi at the Garden. There it is. Vince, you told me I could leave any way I wanted, remember? I'll have to sue you. 
know what's funny to me about this? For her, you know, he, he acts like the Vince telling him that he did the right thing is Vince being a piece of shit. He figured when Kurt went to TNA, um, <clears throat> when all these guys left to AEW, I'm pretty sure Daniel Bryan was the big one. Vince like congratulated them, said, "Do what you can to make yourself happy." Again, Vince is loyal. He said it to Jericho too. You know, are you happy? Yes. Matters. Vince isn't an asshole. In <laughs> the people that helped the WWE, Vince isn't an asshole. Huh. Um. This is just Brett. I think what happened was Brett saw the Mr. McMahon character. It's like, you know, that guy's a heel. I can be the babyface in my own book. <laughs> yeah um i told him again that I, I wouldn't do it everything is bringing geared toward the canadian hero winning this match it'll kill me <coughs> to lose to sean in montreal after everything he's done he's picked his nose on tv with a canadian fag and flag and just last week he said that stew is dead on international t- tv i mean did, did you see stew at this time he looked fucking dead <laughs> if he puts me over i'll be happy to put him over We've got a, over a month until I go to WCW events. Surely we can come up with something. For the rest of the week, we went back and forth. He told me I, I could win. Then he told me I couldn't. Uh, I stood my ground and refused to lose for the first time and only time in my career. 